0: Hello and welcome to the best is net to come. My name is Josh and I am joined by long um, longtime listener and also frequent host, and guest. I you're pretty much a host at this point. You're I'm on just, so I'm often.
1: Just, I'm just gonna call myself like a, a, a special guest.
0: Yeah, special guest, but like you're almost on there, I'd say.
1: Frequent contributor. Zachary Nasiolo.
0: Very frequent contributor, Zachary Nasiolo, also host of Winning Ticket Podcast. Oh, exciting! Uh, the NFL uh, schedule was just released today for the upcoming season. Any any uh, fun games you're looking for on that schedule?
1: There's a whole
0: bunch. Yeah. Uh,
1: week one specifically, I'm looking at Panthers Jets, which Ooh, is. Ooh,
0: I don't want to see Sam Darnold destroy Sam the Jets Darnold in week one. Back.
1: Oh my god! Well, actually, I think it's in Carolina, but still, week one—that is just bravo, matchmakers. Yes. Hate the opening match. I think that uh, Cowboys-Bucks is literally just like, all right, let's see if we can just break the record for the most views at an NFL game ever with yeah. the defending champs and, you know, America's team. Um, but, yeah, and then week four, speaking of Bucks, Bucks-Patriots in New England, Tom Brady's return to New England. So, actually, little teaser of the Winning Ticket Podcast. We'll be recording this Sunday with a, uh, a little preview of the schedule release and more specifically we're going to talk futures where to place your money on what we think is going to happen so uh little teaser there look for that next week
0: that's awesome i'm so glad you guys are recording now already there's so much to talk about with all these uh movements in the league the aaron Rodgers shit you got you got to bring up all this stuff going on with aaron Rodgers, of course and um what's your take is he staying on the team or is he leaving
1: in the superstar era, it seems, like, it seems like in every sport right now, uh, if you are a larger-than-life player who is unhappy, you leave. It's happening yeah. in the NBA. It's happening in the MLB.
0: It's and a little not- unprecedented, though, in the NFL. It's becoming it's- more of a thing now, but it wasn't yep. in the past.
1: Yep. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I don't know why Aaron Rodgers would pull this stunt, so to speak, unless he was truly unhappy. So I think that he's going to be gone. I mean, because at the end of the day... Like, why would the Packers even, you know, fight with him? If he's not going to play and legitimately going to set out the season, Mm. why not get, like, three first-round draft picks for him? Like, you might as well start the rebuild now. Yeah.
0: Well, I am going to ask you a lot more questions at the end of the pod, probably about football. But we'll talk about the Nets for now. So, the Nets. As those who have been watching know, James Harden is Back. He played his first game in 18 games Wednesday night against the Spurs, and he looked great. looked like he hadn't missed a step. His assist game was on point. He had this amazing, like, over-the-head, kind of, like, throw-in soccer-style pass through four Spurs players to Jeff Green for a dunk. Unreal the kind of stuff Harden does on the court. And it was great to see him and, and KD out there. KD didn't even really have to play in the fourth quarter for the most part because it was, a, it was locked up, that win. And now the Nets, they control their own destiny. They got two more games left in the season. They're playing Chicago again and then Cleveland, I think, the last day. Or it might be switched. I always forget one of the two. I think Cleveland's the last day. Um, so winnable games, very winnable games. Obviously, Kyrie, though, did not play because he had gotten injured by Nets killer Nikola Vucevic on Tuesday night with an elbow to the face. So we were, again, uh, robbed of seeing the big three play together. They have still only played, I believe, six or seven games together this whole season. Seven games. Seven games. Jesus. So, Zach, there's a good chance that at least one of these two games coming up on the weekend, all three of those guys are going to be out there on the court. At least one of them. I don't know if both of them, but at least one. Is there anything that you would like to see in that game that would make you feel, I don't know, more confident no. about the upcoming playoffs no. or is no. there just something you'd be looking for uh chemistry-wise you during can't that game?
1: Teach chemistry in two games.
0: No, of course not. Of but course. like what is there anything you physically want to see? Like you want to see them do? Ah
1: uh, well, I mean, let's think back to, you know, when they were – the seven games they did play together, I believe they struggled a little bit. They really kind of took a while for Harden to get into the groove of things. Um, I would just say that I, I would want to see very fluid ball movement. I want to see all of them, like whoever's open, take the shot. If not, like it should be a tons tons of assists, tons of passing, tons of open looks because um, really I, I feel like Harden has established himself – as the play call it, right? He's the point. He's bringing the ball up. He should be facilitating what's going on. Um, and it should be interesting. I, I, be, I honestly really want to see Kyrie and Durant almost kind of take a step back and really make sure Harden is the one who's facilitating things, which they shouldn't have a problem doing.
0: Yeah. I mean, as uh, Kyrie mentioned uh, a few months ago when they were on their role in the West, Harden's the point guard. K, uh, Kyrie is the shooting guard. KD is just the roaming small forward, but he's as big as a center. Things should work. It looks like everything is gonna work out for the Nets. They are currently in second. Do you see them getting the second seed, or would you be like completely shocked if they dropped t- these next two games? If they lose. Actually, they can. They have to win both of them because even if they lose one, if the Bucks win out. The Bucks have the tiebreaker, so they would take the second seed.
1: I would be very, very, very surprised if they lost either of these games because it means so much. I mean, the Bulls really don't have too much to play for, and the Cavs legitimately have nothing to play for. Um, so I, I, there's too much on the line. I really do feel like the Nets will pull through. They, they're usually pretty good when they have to, you know, play in a meaningful game.
0: I don't know. I mean, the Cavs do have some former Nets. They could uh... – Kind of try to play spoiler. Uh, Jared Allen can go for like 25 and 25, you know. Uh, Maybe Torian Prince comes off the bench, scores like a quick 30 on Mike James's head. I don't know. Not happening. Another Nets thing with Mike James is he was just signed for the rest of the season. Obviously, at this point, you would have to because there's two games left, and you need someone to fill that role. But he's also shown to be pretty good in what he does. What have you liked in Mike James's game over the past two weeks or so that we've had him?
1: Uh, he's been pretty impressive. I mean, he seemed to click pretty well, shoots a good three ball as, you know, at a couple assists. Uh, it seems like when he's on the floor that the team works well somehow for only being there for two weeks. So I've been impressed so far for someone with the most generic name I've ever heard in the NBA.
0: (laughs) Mike James. I'm trying to think of like some other really successful basketball players who had like super simple names. Um, ah, you know. It's difficult.
1: <laughs>
0: every every successful basketball player has like a pretty unique name, to be fair, to all of them. Honestly, Michael Jordan.
1: I was just before, about to say Michael Jordan's like the only one.
0: Before Michael Jordan existed, I couldn't I can't think of a, a guy. Um, Joe Johnson is a pretty normal name. That's a very normal name. Oh, so, Nets legend Joe Johnson is pretty normal. All right. Well, Zach. I'm glad you're here with me because we're going to be going through something I created a few minutes ago (laughs) called the What the Fuck Meter. This season, the 2020-2021 Nets season, was just a roller coaster of emotions. There were some weeks where we felt like the Nets were unbeatable and some weeks where we thought the Nets couldn't beat a high school team. There were some games afterwards where I could have chewed through a piece of brick. I was so mad. And then other games where I'm like, is this even fair? Should have the, should the Nets have vetoed the trade with Harden because he's so good, you know, a la Chris Paul? <laughs> Does this make any sense that he's on this team? Of course they're the villains. So what I'm going to do, Zach, is I'm going to throw, because we're kind of making this up on the go, I'm going to throw at you about 13 or so big moments in the Nets season and I want you to give them your own rankings. So you can rank them by saying things like, oh, this was a little bit of a what the fuck. I was a little shocked. Or you can say, like, this is such a huge what the fuck. I can't believe this fucking happened. I had no idea what was going to happen for the rest of the season when this happened. So (laughs) let's go with the first one. This happened three games into the season. Spencer Dinwiddie, who is a longtime net favorite of mine and many people's, hurts his knee in the third game, and he's out for the season. He's supposed to be this, like, either the – like he's a starting point guard at that point, and he could have been also a, a great six-man for them if they wanted as well. And he gets hurt for the rest of the season in the third game. How big of a what the fuck was that?
1: That was a huge what the fuck. That was depressing because it was like our big three, it was going to be Kyrie, KD, and Dinwiddie. So it was kind of, like, uh, just heartbreaking, especially, I know, especially more so for you and Mike. I feel like you guys both loved him, Winnie, and really felt like, you know, he's one of, like, the only – well, what we would now find out is one of the only pieces of the, you know, the the building block Brooklyn Nets of the last four years to still be on the team. Uh, so that was pretty concerning, but I know we were kind of – still had our heads held high because of the KD signing. Um, but still pretty heartbreaking. But it's, you know, we're, we might see him in the playoffs. So that's pretty damn cool.
0: There is a potential that Dinwiddie does come back. That's right. Yeah, at the time, that was a big what the fuck for me. I mean, he did look like he didn't really gel in those first two games. Not that there's anything you can really say about two games regular season. But even though they were big wins for the Nets, he didn't really produce much off um, while KD and Kyrie were, you know, really were playing their best ISO ball during those two games that they won in the beginning of the season. So in that third one, when he went down, I remember Rick, myself and Mike were talking about it like, yeah, it's a loss, it's bad, but the Nets can survive this. Now, what we learned in January was that what the Nets can't survive is having a piss poor defense. Although they had the top three offense, the next what the fuck Zach is DeAndre Jordan and the January Nets, turnstile, 30th-ranked defense. How much of a what-the-fuck was the defense oh my, in January? Oh,
1: my God, dude. I, I just remember the group chats, the frustration. Every conversation would be in January like, this fucking team is going to put up 150 <laughs> points a game and lose 154 to 150. DeAndre Jordan, man, oh, my God. He's had like, what, one or two – okay games defensively this entire year. But the January Nets, it was like the most infuriating thing to watch, how every team would just absolutely destroy them in the paint. We I mean, were just screaming. At, oh, my God. It was just yeah. – and, and just you guys criticizing Jared Allen too. Let's not forget that, mm-hmm. talking about how he needs to get angry and start – Alfredo. <laughs> uh, yeah, Alfredo. That's mm-hmm. right, man. It was just – between him and Jordan, it was brutal. It was really bad.
0: Yeah, it was looking bad. After the injury to Dinwiddie, and then there was a, a big string of games where the Nets just could not get a stop on anyone. Teams like the Wizards or the Hawks, and even the, the back-to-back losses to the Cavaliers, it was very difficult oh, but to town, think of the Nets.
1: Oh, sex in overtime games. Yes.
0: Oh. <laughs> it was very difficult to think of the Nets as a team that could actually compete if they cannot even give an ounce of a, a shit on, on defense. And it looked like they just didn't. Now... There is a big shift that happens, though, towards the end of January, where the Nets do get Harden in a trade, a monumental trade. It was looking like Harden might go to the Sixers. It would have been a big trade for the Rockets because they could have got Ben Simmons in return. Instead, they get Victor Oladipo, who's not even on the team anymore, and a bunch of picks a la the, uh, the Pacers, and... Yeah, essentially what they got for Harden was Kelly Olinick and Avery Bradley from Let's
1: the. Let's talk East. about this like real quick. Like if you're the the Rockets, man, like what an awful trade. Like how do you at least not wind up l- with Levert in the deal? Like how the hell do you let Karis Levert yeah. wind up on the Pacers and all that mess? Oladipo, the best part is, is like literally like two weeks into him being a a, a Rocket, they were trying to give him like a two-year like fifty million. million dollars. Mm-hmm. Rigging contracts, then she's like, no, nah, I'm good. No, nah, no thanks.
0: See ya. Like, I don't want to stay here. I want to go to Miami, and then he plays like four games in Miami and gets hurt, and he's out for the rest of the season. He's got to get yeah. quadricep injury. He's never going to be the same. No. He's never going to be the same. Vic Oladipo, he's got to start like I – I think that Oladipo's got to start paying attention to guys like Carmelo Anthony and seeing how they have able, been able to like right the ship in their later years of their career. And he's not even that old. Oladipo, I don't know. He's like 27." 28. Jesus. Dude's going to have to start playing off the bench within the next year or two because he just cannot stay healthy. And they can't have him running and dunking and shooting 30 times a game. He's too much of a liability. Dude's made of glass. But anyway.
1: He's, he's,
0: he's 29. Yeah. But he's he's got the body of like a 38-year-old. It's not good.
1: Hmm.
0: Now, anyway. The what the fuck here essentially is how big of a what the fuck was it when you got the text that brooklyn had acquired james harden and i'm not just saying what the fuck like this is a fucking terrible what the fuck this is a great what the fuck right
1: it was a genuine what the fuck and i kept on i remember i got the the notification and then we were texting the group chat and i was just like all right what did it cost though what did it cost that was what we were terrified of Yeah. I'm like, holy shit, there goes everybody. Who's gonna I believe we said, Oh my god, who the hell is gonna play defense?
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And at the time Nick Claxon had not yet been back on the team because he was still hurt. hurt. So it was really just DeAndre Jordan and, and that's it.
1: I mean, looking back on it, and I think that Rick and Mike would both agree, even if things don't work out and we fall short of capturing a championship in the next two to three years. Like, if the Nets played basketball the way they did this year in the next coming years, it was still worth it. Because this is the best basketball we have ever seen from a Nets team ever. And I don't even think it's close.
0: Uh, Yeah, no, not in my memory. Of course, they probably were this good Uh, in 2001, 2002, when they won 50 games. But probably not as exciting. And definitely didn't have three guys who are – Two of them are future Hall of Famers, and one of them is, like, definitely on the cusp, you know? Like, and Harden and KD are definitely going to be in the Hall of Fame someday. I don't know about Kyrie. Kyrie's, like, maybe if he win- wins, like, one or two rings with the Nets, like, that might definitely be in the conversation. But I don't know. He's definitely a perennial all-star. Next, what the fuck? Nash's coaching ability, or lack thereof. So when we first started watching, we we had uh, – we gave Nash a lot of – You know, slack because this was his first year coaching. He's got this dynamic team of all stars. They have very strong personalities. We know Nash as a person, like through the way he has interviewed. We know him as a player because he's a Hall of Famer, two time MVP. But we didn't know what he could be as a coach. What's your evaluation of Nash now? And what was your evaluation of him throughout the season? Like, do you remember how you felt during certain increments?
1: I. Pretty sure I was on, the, like, one of the earlier episodes of this podcast absolutely laying into Steve Nash for the Nets' inability to close games. Um, yeah. So I would rank him from, like, December to February. He got, like, a D+. Plus okay. Because the Nets' defense was that bad. And we even turned around, like, yo, it has to do something with coaching. Like, and I'm sure we're going to get to this in a little bit. But, you know, the inability to inbound the ball – <laughs> uh, it was just at, like the first couple months I was like, oh my god, like Steve Nash is gonna cost this team a freaking championship like his yeah. just it took a while. Obviously now things are a lot different. He seems like he's finally got his you know his bearings he seems like he's he knows ex- you know what to actually do now and he better with his supporting staff. yeah it's not like he's got like no one to help him. He's got a very very good staff of former players and coaches to help him out.
0: you're right. Yeah, there was something that changed, though, and it was that February run in the West Coast. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute, but before we leave January, we have to bring up probably, other than Harden being signed, the second biggest moment of January, which was Kyrie taking personal leave for very personal reasons. Of course, this came in uh, at the heels of the horrific and de- uh, very traumatic um uh, insurrection at the at the Capitol building, and it was a day later. Kyrie just goes on personal leave. It seems like the team doesn't really know why he had left at least it wasn't um something that they were willing to talk about publicly. There was a little bit of confusion for those week and a half. you know people in the media were telling Kyrie to retire. Uh, a lot of us were very confused we were trying to be supportive but we were also concerned and worried about the team worried about him how much of a what the fuck was those two weeks
1: might have been my biggest what the fuck of the season (laughs) i i'm i'm with rick here i know you and mike were like all right like well we're giving him the benefit of the doubt i was like no kyrie go fuck yourself like not okay it was – and it was the way that he did it. it I mean – and it showed because later on in the season he would have another leave of absence, very short one. Turns out it was for the birth of his child. But the difference is you're a professional athlete, like – granted, we are living in very turbulent times. There are things that are bigger than sports. We can all agree on that. However, let alone professional athlete, how about you're a professional, like, period at any job? You can't just leave the workplace without telling anybody what the hell's going on. Like, ah, I'm out. See you guys when I come, whenever I come back. And also you have to remember there was COVID protocols too that he'd come back to. So it really wasn't fair to the team in the way that he left. If you would have cleared it with like – if you're doing something like that, I think you have to at least approach like a couple teammates, like your closest teammates and say, hey, just so you know, like I have some shit going on I got to take care of. I'm going to be gone. They, he left his teammates out to dry the media was hounding them about where the hell Kyrie was and nobody had an answer. Yeah.
0: Steve I Ness mean, no, an answer. no one had an answer that we're willing, like no one had like a concrete answer or at least an answer that digested well, you know, that settled well with us. But you know, looking back, it was a tough time for this to happen just because of the fact that the, the Nets were in a shaky spot already. You know, this was right after they had had a couple bad losses and, um, you know, things were not going as smoothly as we wanted them to at that point. It was still really early on in the season. So we were worried that with Kyrie gone, the season would just kind of get away from the team and they'd be a team that's like struggling to be in the play-in or something like that. KD is great, but like if he's got these COVID protocols happening to him and Kyrie's not showing up, that's what really I think fans were worried about. Of course, that most importantly, it's, it's all about Kyrie's like, personal life you know like hopefully everything worked out and it looks like he's fine because you know he's here he's still playing on the team and he's had when he's on the court he's had probably one of his best seasons in the in the NBA he's been unreal if you look at the numbers he's never been more efficient he's he's shooting like 90 percent from the free throw line he's hitting more threes than he's ever hit in his life and he's just incredible to watch so I think it. Guess I guess in my eyes, he has paid back all of the pain that he might have caused us for those week and, that week and a half <laughs>
1: that hey, he was out.
0: Hey, don't
1: don't speak too soon, man. We have to get to the playoffs.
0: <laughs> no, if, if he won't do this in the playoffs, I I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> don't say it. Don't talk into existence, man. Let
1: me ask you something. Let's say if it's like Eastern Conference Finals and something traumatic happens in the world, and Kyrie just decides, ah. Some things are bigger than basketball. He just walks away from the team. How would you feel?
0: I would just try to be grateful for what we've gotten already from him, honestly. At this point, like, it's not the first time it would have happened. So if it happened again, I'd be like, you know, this is what you get with the kind of guy he is. So just be be happy for what you got, (laughs) you know? That's it, and then we'll talk about next season when next season comes. But like whatever, and then we also have Harden and KD. So,
1: so speak. I have a question for you, man. Speaking of COVID protocols, I don't know if I'm going to uh, steal this one from you. Talk yeah. about a what the fuck moment. Durant, the mid, yeah, finally Durant. comes back from injury, gets pulled middle of the first quarter. Yep. COVID protocols.
0: Middle what of the third. Fuck. Middle of the third quarter, actually. It was against the Raptors on a Friday night. I will never forget it. It was right after KD had come back from injury, and they had just gotten Harden. It was one of their few games that all three of them played together, and they had a great win over the Clippers, I believe, on a Tuesday. And then they were playing on that Friday against the Raptors, and KD gets pulled from the game in the third quarter because of a COVID interaction he had before the game, an inconclusive test that came back positive from, I think, his driver or something. That was a huge what the fuck. It was a very, That was a huge what the fuck. So much so that, like, James Harden, Joe Harris, and everyone else who was interviewed after the game was telling the media, like, what the fuck? What the fuck is going on here? What is this COVID bullshit? Like, what is actually happening? How did this happen? How did they let him get on the court and play if they knew it was inconclusive before the game? And would it have mattered to take him out in the third or just late till the end of the game? I'm still kind of like not really sure what the right decision was in that point. Are you?
1: I, I feel like in my, at that point in the season, if, you, if he has an inconclusive test, how is he on the court? Right? Because like let's think about it this way. If you're not sure whether he has COVID or not, let's say he does and he's on the court. What's he doing? He's spreading it to everybody. Yeah, You know, so it doesn't make any sense. I mean, how many COVID outbreaks were there this year? Oh my God, the beginning of the season was brutal.
0: Yeah, there was a rough like eight weeks where teams missed like a week of games and guys were legitimately getting sick with COVID and like were out for weeks and it was affecting the way they played. It's still affecting the way some of them play. Yeah, COVID has had a huge, huge mark on this season for many reasons, but just... I think if you had to crystallize, like, into one game, what the experience is like, the frustration of COVID is like, it's KD getting pulled mid-game. Because I don't think any other player I can think of that has been pulled mid-game due to COVID. I know guys have been pulled right before the game, but I don't know if anyone has been pulled, like, in the third quarter. I don't know. I'll have to look back at the tape and see if anyone else was. My next what the fuck. So we've had a lot of what the fucks here. If you had to rank any of them so far, what would you put as like your top two or top three that we've talked about? So the the Kyrie thing's up there, the personal Kyrie's names.
1: up there, but the defense has got to be number one so far. Yeah,
0: yeah, the defense. I didn't know defense could be as bad as the Nets were playing defense.
1: <laughs> Unbelievable for an NBA, NBA team who's like good to have as bad of, of defense as the Brooklyn Nets.
0: All right, well, you know what? I saved the better ones for the second half. So these are some good what-the-fucks. The The next what-the-fuck, and it's a good one, is the uh, ascension of new net Bruce motherfucking Brown. What kind of a what-the-fuck is Bruce Brown for the Nets? Can you explain the feeling you get when Bruce is playing?
1: The feeling I have when Bruce is playing is like, my dad knew it was Christmas time and I needed a Furby and you couldn't get one. So this man went out after our Thanksgiving dinner and waited online for 16 hours so he got his damn son the Furby he wanted for Christmas. That's Isn't the true story? Of, no. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> that's the type of guy I imagine Bruce Brown to be like. Yo, he will not let you down. He will do whatever it takes to make sure that you were happy. Bruce Brown, A1 teammate. The man is electric beloved member of the Brooklyn Nets and really hope that he is here for more than just this year.
0: Yeah, they haven't signed him yet, but I really hope they do what he did for the Nets. I think, especially during those moments where we were really concerned with the defense was he brought that spark of energy. He got, he woke guys up who were kind of sleeping through the defense and he was playing. He was sticking with guys. He was getting steals. He was getting offensive rebounds. He was basically playing center for some games when DeAndre Jordan just couldn't do it. And this dude is like 6'2", 6'3". He's playing center. He was everywhere. He, he played all five positions at one point. If he could hit a few more of his shots. Like his floater game is great. But if he can hit like perimeter shots. Bruce Brown is like a future all-star. If he, if he starts hitting threes, he's a future all-star. Because he's got all the other aspects of the game down pat. And he gives that spark to a team. He helps a team get through a tough time mid game by getting a couple movement changing like steals or blocks or, or, or charges or or and ones. Love Bruce, love what he's done for this team. I don't think Harden, KD, or Kyrie could have given that sort of spark the way he did. So when we're talking about championship teams throughout history, all championship teams have their stars. But really what got them to that point are the guys like Bruce Brown. So uh, if the Nets do end up winning the championship, Bruce is a huge reason why. So that's Bruce been a gets good
1: MVP, one. period. It doesn't it's matter the kind of,
0: It's been a good what the fuck for Bruce. But another good one was a specific night I believe in February. No KD, no Kyrie. Kyrie's walking with a walking cane for this game. No problem. James Harden and the rest of the Brooklyn Nets win a huge comeback against the Suns. And they also swept the West Coast in that road trip. And they ended up going like 8-0 and and beat teams like the Lakers, Clippers, and the Suns during that trip. Zach, tell me how you felt after that West Coast trip. And after specifically that game where we went to sleep that night at like 12, it was a West Coast game, so it started at 10, we went to sleep at like 12, thinking the Nets were going to lose, because they were losing by like 20 going into the half, and they end up pulling that win off. How did that make you feel about the future of the team? Dude,
1: I was so pumped. I was actually in disbelief, because I remember, I believe I went to sleep, it was halftime, and it was like, didn't the Nets, the Suns put up like 70? Something it, crazy was like se- it was
0: like 70 to 52 at half. Yeah, it, was,
1: it was like – okay, I'm looking at them now. It was 75 to 55.
0: Whoa. I was just like, oh, my god.
1: Oh, god. the no, Bad defense is back. I'm going to bed. And then I just woke up, and I remember I believe it was you, I want to say, who was like, yo, they fucking won. I was like, what?
0: Rick, was, like, was, the, Rick was the one who was like, they're, gonna, they're coming back. He was texting us at like 1.30 in the morning. Yeah. saying like, yo, they're coming back. Chris Paul is playing well, but the Nets are within 10, and there's five minutes left. And I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I don't know. Five minutes, 10. That is, it seems like a nice val—it's a valiant effort, but I don't think they're gonna do it. And then when like when when Harden hits the the go-ahead bucket, the three, the like, you know, he had defense all in his face, and he hit that three too. Unreal.
1: Yeah. That was,
0: the, in my opinion, the best win of the, of the game of the season for sure. For the nets and it had no KD or Kyrie.
1: yeah it was it was awesome i mean harden really carried this team it, he carried the, the team but
0: the it, it also had like great contributions from all the other guys like tyler johnson hit a couple threes joe harris hit his threes i believe bruce brown played well as well that game they had a couple of good contributions from players all over like even shaman i think hit a two or three threes so yeah to me best game of the season was that one by far, in terms of just like how important it was to keep the momentum and and for Harden to to kind of have his big Nets moment. That was like his first real Nets moment. Like here I am, I'm on this team now. Back to another frustrating one, the what the fuck of KD's hamstring issue. So KD doesn't play for what seems to be I think it was about a month and a half, but it felt like forever with a K, with a hamstring issue that happened before the All Star break. When it first happened. There was, you know, they were saying it was going to be about two games he'd be out, and then he went to three, and then it was four, and then it was all right. We're going to wait till the end of the All Star break. Then we get back from the All Star break, and he's not ready yet. Still, I don't know. A lot of smoke and mirrors with that heart, with that hamstring issue. He's finally back now, and he seems to be okay. But do you think the Nets were just being overcautious, or was that something that needed to be done?
1: I think it definitely needed to be done. Uh, need to be done, and it was over-cautious as well, um, just because he – I mean, let's be real here. Kyrie and Harden are great, but to make a deep playoff run, you need that three-headed monster. You need KD there. So I was totally good with them putting him out for you know however long it was. You know, it was frustrating as a fan, right? We were kind of robbed of seeing him this season, um, but – Ask me in, uh, you know, two months if I really care or not, depending on how the season winds up, right? So I think it was good. The man has injury history now. Uh, It's best to make sure he's fully here. And the same thing with Harden. Like, I'm good with being conservative. Let him be healthy.
0: Yeah. And I was going to ask you about Harden's hamstring issue. Like, he's back now too, but when he re-aggravated it, did you kind of say, like, "Uh, what the fuck? Because I did.
1: Oh, I said, what the fuck? Are you kidding (laughs) me? Like, please don't be serious. Please, like, especially because it was, like, wasn't even, like, it was just, like, I believe he played, what, one game? And then, like, after that— Yeah, he
0: came came into the Knicks game and, like, hurt himself within the first, like, eight to nine minutes.
1: And then the next day it was, like, all right, setback. Yeah. So that was also not great either, but— yeah, I'm, I still am, like, I'm anxious. I'm anxious for what? Next Saturday will be the first playoff game, the 22nd? Anxious to see how they do. guy. Uh, I mean, I really hope they gel. I really hope they come together.
0: I don't know when the next playoff, the first playoff game is. Is it the twenties Is it the Saturday?
1: I believe it starts the 22nd.
0: Oh, okay.
1: I don't know if the Nets play, but I know that is the first day of the uh, first round of the playoffs.
0: Nice. Okay, cool. I'll have to look into that. All right, um, next what-the-fucks. The Nets acquire Blake Griffin, and he's not washed, like we all thought he would be.
1: Love, love, of... love it.
0: So what, what was your initial thoughts when they got Blake, and how do you feel about him now?
1: I'm incredibly biased because i huge Blake Griffin guy. Blake <laughs> I like Griffin Blake too. Especially, like, the personality that is Blake Griffin. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you guys talked about how washed he was, and there was a big thing about how all oh, – He can't dunk anymore. He hasn't dunked since 2019. His first game back, he threw one down. But the man has been awesome. He has reinvented himself. He can shoot threes. He's getting under the opponent's skin now, playing some defense. Uh, He still does spend, I think, more time on the frigging court floor than he does standing (laughs) up. But I don't care. It seems like the team loves him. He's been a key contributor and uh, wound up being absolutely great. So very positive, what the fuck.
0: He really is great at getting under people's skin. When they played the Suns a week and a half ago and they beat them, or was it – yeah, it was a week and a half ago, I think, or two weeks ago. He was a key component in getting DeAndre Ayton off his game and getting Chris Paul off his game. And then when they beat the Nuggets after the four-game losing streak last week, it was also hugely because of of, um, Blake Griffin's performance. So if he can continue and actually keep himself in one piece – for the playoffs and not have a season-ending injury, which obviously anyone can have, but especially Blake because he's had them in the past. The Nets are lethal because he's so good when he wants to be. Another, the next what-the-fuck also has to do with the midseason pickup, but this is more of a sad what-the-fuck, not a what-the-fuck anger what-the-fuck. More of a um, – this is just a shame and I'm sad for this person. Lamarcus Aldridge becomes a Net. But he has to retire within his first two weeks in the team. Retire from basketball due to an irregular heartbeat. How did you feel the day you got that news?
1: Sad because he looked like he was playing pretty well. Um, I don't know if it changes, like, the course of the team, though. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure, like, whether the team would have been, like, better off with Aldridge or not.
0: I don't know. I liked what I saw from when Yeah, he, played.
1: he was playing well. It was a very short sample time. It was very annoying, like the media being like, "Oh my God, he's just trying to, you know, get an easy championship." Yada yada yada. Um, but yeah, it was it was depressing, man. It's always hard to see guys who you've watched play for the last, you know, ten or so years, hang it up, especially when it's out of their control. So yeah. that was that was kind of tough.
0: That one was tough, and I still feel for him, and I hope everything's good with LaMarcus, and it was tough. The Nets would definitely have, could have used him. Uh, his performance was really great as a post-up player. His shot was great. He was hitting threes. He's like a big guy who can hit threes. The Nets don't have someone like that, so would have been good for the team. But just more so, like, great career for LaMarcus. Sad that he couldn't have done something extra great. To finalize his career with the Nets, got a chip with them. Who knows? Maybe they'll be nice and like send him the ring, <laughs> even though he played for two weeks. If the Nets do win this season, just just as like a, a thank you note. Now the next one's kind of fun because we still talk about this guy with tons of frustration, but he's had an interesting season. The fall and rise of Landry Shamit.
1: Oh. I thought you were going to say TLC. I was going to say, where was the rise?
0: No, 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 no. I don't even want to put TLC on here because TLC, to be fair to him, he never should have even been someone we expected a lot out of because he was always like a, a bench guy. He had like a couple of good games off the bench. We were like, hey, maybe he'll fill in. No, he's been even worse than he's ever been in his career. He might not have a job next year. But – The Fallen Rise of Landry Shaman, because this is a guy who also was picked up in the trade before the season that the Nets gave up their first-round pick, who ended up being Sadiq Bey for the Pistons, who is very good for a rookie. At least he can hit his threes pretty well. And, you know, he comes in, and he's really cold. He's, like, ice cold for the first month and a half. And then slowly as the season goes on, his shooting percentage goes up, goes up, goes up. And then during April, he was just on fire. I think he shot over 40% from three in April. So what were your feelings of Shamit as the season went on?
1: He, I mean, put it this way. He was literally, it was like 1A and 1B. It was TLC and Landry Shamit. As Rick said, shit, damn it. Damn it. Shamit. Damn it. And it it was fun hearing you guys rag on him. But it was not fun watching him play. It was so frustrating. I mean, I just, at the, literally, any time he came on the court, the group message, why is Shaman in? Why is Shaman it in? It'd be like brick after brick after brick. Uh, so it was extremely frustrating watching him the first half of the year. Especially, it's almost unbelievable what he turned out to be by the end of the year. Because like the first half was like almost like so justifiably bad that you could see them like parting ways with him.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm happy for him now. His shot seems to be getting a little better, but it was falling apart, but then it's getting better. I just hope that he's on in a week or two. He needs to stop taking contested threes on the run. I think that's my biggest gripe with Shem, is that he loves to take the ugliest threes that are totally off. You know, he's off balance. His one leg is like kicking out. Like, take a squared-up three. Do what Tyler Johnson does. Tyler Johnson gets himself rolling by taking an easy three. Jeff Green takes easy threes in the corner all the time. He doesn't make them all, but he takes them because when you hit one, you see it go in, and you have your system ready to hit a couple more. Landry Shamit, like... He's always, like, cranking the difficulty level on all his shots for some reason. He wants – he he's like, you know what? What if I, like, sprint to the corner around three guys and then spin and shoot it? Like, how about – maybe that will go in. Like, no. Just try to hit an easy one first, and then you can do the crazy shit later. We'll see with Shamit. I'm hoping things work out for him in the playoffs. The dude can hit – he can hit shots when, he, when he's on. It's just got to be a little tuned in. And his defense is not so bad either. I'm talking about a really bad defensive team. Shamit's defense is probably, you know, top five on the Nets, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's about it. It's, it's all the what the fucks I can think of. There's still obviously the playoffs to come, so we'll have more what the fucks left. But if you had to pick like a top five, maybe five through one, five being the lowest, one being the highest, of course, of the what the fucks that we've discussed, how would you rank these so far? Yeah.
1: Alright. So the biggest WTF I think we mutually agreed was the defense. Defense right? number one. Yeah. Number two is gonna probably be number two I'm gonna give it to the James Harden trade. Okay. Just even though it was a positive, it was still it changed the course of the entire season. So that is extremely important. It was a good what the fuck. It was a what the fuck for what the hell does it mean for the future of the Nets franchise with the trade implications, uh, the pick swaps, losing, you know, all those kind of key pieces. So definitely worthy of number two. Number three, I'm giving to Steve Nash, the not so good coach, just based off of like the month of terror that put us through and the questioning that we did and the way they were losing wow. these fucking games. Okay. Ah. Ooh, four and five. Hm, mm, what's your opinion? What do you think?
0: I don't know. I don't think Nash would have made my list, honestly. I think that uh KD getting pulled mid-game due to COVID protocols maybe want to like throw my TV out the window. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as as much as like it's very uh it's 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 very controversial to have like a a distinct opinion on it, but yeah, the whole Kyrie personal leave thing
1: uh, Kyrie would definitely opinion.
0: be like my at least on the the five spot for me.
1: Yeah. I'm going to give that the four spot, for sure, because that was so frustrating. And then five, it could really be almost anything. Uh,
0: To me, though, I think it's... it's, Wet traps.
1: The (laughs) the defense was definitely the most frustrating thing, just as far as, like, actually being legitimately angry after a net game. Like, I feel like all of January was just us being like, God
0: damn it, fucking A! How can this team be so good but so bad? I have an honorable mention, uh, the uh, inability to inbound.
1: Oh, lordy.
0: Is that oh, six-man on our team?
1: Holy shit. I mean, I, we talked about this before we got on air, but the the second loss to the Wizards, oh, oh, my God. I was ready to murder somebody. I really was. I was just in disbelief. That game, how we how they lost that game will just – Forever be a mystery to me. The turnover on the inbound, the Russell Westbrook three. Oh, uh, the da- oh, gee, oh, oh I don't want
0: what- <laughs> T- TLC hits like a, a layup that like rolls around the rim oh, like a toilet bowl and wide open layup. Yeah. Oh lord. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I'm getting angry thinking about that.
0: Yeah, that that's a that's a real what the fuck then. Maybe that should have been in the top five. Just uh, that game alone.
1: Yes, just the way I felt afterwards. Like if there was. Ever a time to punch somebody in the face? It would have been after that game.
0: For sure. I well, wanted we, to punch You think that's the
1: worst loss of the season?
0: Yeah, definitely. That's the worst loss of the season. I, I wouldn't say, like, I'd rather lose by 40 to a team than lose like that because yeah. it was a high scoring game because the Nets didn't play a single ounce of defense. They ended up losing, I think, 149, 148 or something like that. Uh, I believe. Did they reach 150? I think they reached 150. Oh, no. I hope not. I think it was 149, 148. They lost. Yeah, one sure. 149, 146. 146. Oh boy. Yeah. And previous loss
1: to the Wizards on January 3rd, 123, 122.
0: Yeah. And that was what that was on back to back. Like Kyrie missed his like the game like tire or game winner, and and then.
1: Can we just agree we don't want to see the Wizards in the playoffs?
0: No, not, I do not want to see the Wizards. Yeah. Let's
1: not run into the Wizards.
0: Although I mean I'm not wishing him any like harm and I hope he heals but if Bradley Beal's hamstring injury is continuing I think the Nets will be fine playing the like an only Russell Westbrook Wizards but if it's Westbrook and Beal like I don't know we'll see they got to play defense things will change in the playoffs right
1: I sure hope so <laughs>
0: And and then I cannot leave you, Zach, without discussing our fantasy basketball season because we talked about it a little bit uh, the last pod, guys. But what I, my team, about? KD's Burners, did end up winning this season, and I did it by beating Zachary Nassiola's team in the finals. The earth is flat. Tell us, Zach, how was your season? Tell me about your season first before you talk about that last week.
1: My season was injury riddled. I lost – three starters within the first like two weeks, Thomas Bryant was out for the year. Oh, uh you
0: had Thomas Bryant? Thomas Southern Bryant Blizzard. was out.
1: Uh Markel Foltz season ending injury.
0: Well, he yeah, I mean, he's a waiver wire guy, wasn't he?
1: No, he was straight with I drafted him pretty like I, and I want to say in, like the top six. Oh wow. Uh, he was playing well. He really was. Guy scored at least like 20 and with like at least like five or six assists a night. Six or seven rebounds. So he was putting up numbers. Uh, LaMelo Paul, who wound up on your team at the end of the year. Uh, I mean, it was just nonstop. And, that, and all right, here we go. Now, the last week of the year, after my team goes on an absolute run, pulls off a great win in the semis, uh, Kevin Porter Jr., 50-burger, 50, 50 points. Freaking like uh, some. It was like seven or eight assists and ten rebounds. Just put the team on his back. The Joker did his thing all year long, but just the last week of the year, I had Miles Bridges, who was putting the team on his back for me, the, like since LaMelo Ball got hurt, get COVID. Fred Fleet missed, I believe, two of the four games he was supposed to play that week. Aaron Gordon had a last-minute, like literally game-time, just sat out, missed the game. No warning, no injury tag, no nothing.
0: Also was playing bad, too. Like, didn't have a couple – they had a couple bad games.
1: Terrible games. Kevin Porter Jr. got hurt. He didn't play. It was just – Jalen Brown. Don't Jalen Brown. Brown. Jalen Brown. Didn't play all week. He's out it for was, the season. It was over before it started. So, for me, it was, like, so deflating because it was like, man, like, I came through so much adversity – only for my entire team to just absolutely shit the bed. I almost wish I didn't make the finals so someone would have been more competitive. But honestly, your team did so well, I literally don't think anybody was beating them. You scored, like, over 1,000 points.
0: Yeah, like I scored, 100- like, 970 points, and I had 102 threes. Yeah. But you can't you, – I had an incredible last week. My All my guys – because you know what the thing? All my guys were, like, sincerely, like, playing their hearts out because they need seating. Like, Dame Lillard was playing his heart out. Kyrie Irving had a couple incredible games. Joel Embiid's trying to hold on to the one seed. Boyan Bogdanovich hits fucking 48 points in a career high. Like you no, know, it was incredible. But you had Jokic, and Jokic ended up being the number one ranked player in fantasy, and he's going to also probably be the MVP of the season. Tell me what your experience was like watching Jokic, even if you didn't get to watch all the Nuggets games which I did watch a lot of him because I also had a Nugget. I had Murray for most of the season. What are your opinions of Jokic now after seeing him be the best fantasy player in the league? I
1: will forever love him. He will forever hold a near and dear spot in my heart because it was just awesome. Like it, It's so much fun having somebody on your team who – and like I got lucky as hell too because I had LeBron, what was that, in 2016 when he played all – 2017 when he played all 82 games. Mm. So it's like kind of like the same exact thing where I, you know, I have a, a guy who plays every single night, you know, like the very worst performance he's going to give you is a 20 point triple double, <laughs> which is insane. Uh, so much fun to watch. Uh, he's just unstoppable. It, it was just a- amazing to watch him. Very cool to have on the team. Uh, and it made my life a lot easier. So, yeah. Props to you.
0: Is he going to be the number one pick next year? How can he not be? Yeah, you're right. We were Did saying, you uh you
1: had the number one pick? Would you take him?
0: Yes, yes I would. He, he's like uh, because of the fact that he's resilient. He won't get hurt. He won't. He will not get off the court. And if he does, then like I don't. I don't even know if the Nuggets have a B plan for what happens when Jokic gets hurt. Because if it wasn't for Jokic, they would not be the fourth seed. They'd be like the ninth seed. Yep. Their, their, their bench is horrific. So uh, they need Jokic more than any team needs any player. I don't know. I think Jokic will be the one seed next year. I uh, won the first pick of the fantasy draft, majority wise. If he's going to put up triple doubles every night, and he's still what? 26?
1: 27? I don't know if top man how old he is. <laughs> he's,
0: he's at least, I don't know, He's he's pretty young. So he should be good. Zach, thanks so much for joining me today. It was fun kind of recapping the whole season with you, kind of going through the what-the-fuck moments. I had a plan to do some sort of rank system in the beginning, but, you know, it didn't really make sense, so we just kind of reminisced, and that was totally fun. Yeah, I enjoyed I it regardless.
1: I would also love to hear Rick and Mike's opinion of these. I feel like they'd have very, right. similar, uh, very similar opinions to us.
0: Yeah, I would love to see, like, maybe what I'll do is I'm going to put together, like, a... An actual ranking system, maybe one of those like tiers, like S A B C, and uh, I'll see what they um, where they put each moment in terms of what the fuckness. But thank you so much, listeners. Uh, we'll be back next week. Talk about the end of the season. Hopefully, talking about how the Nets clinch that second seed so that they get to play either the Hornets or the what's looking like the Celtics now in the first round, which I'm totally happy with the Nets yeah. playing. Jalen Brownless Celtics. They're terrible. Um, or the Hornets, who not that good either. But yeah, thanks so much for listening to The Best is Net to Come. We will talk to you next week. Have a great weekend. And thanks again to Zach Nassiolo for joining us, as always.